Welcome back to the Straight Up Podcast. This is episode 19, and for this week's episode, we're joined by current or own footballer, Connor Myler. There's no doubt that Connor is operating at the top table within the GAA at present. However, as we get into in our discussion, it hasn't always been plain sailing for him. We speak primarily around his evolution from not making the Thrill Miners in 2012 to the current position he holds at the moment. And we also reflect then on how setbacks such as this have strengthened him and molded him. We reflect also then on the successes he has enjoyed on both team and individual levels. So let's get to the episode. Welcome to the Straight Up Podcast. We're absolutely delighted to have you on. How's it going? Good. Uh, thank you, Ashina and Johnny, for having me on. No, pleasure. it's our pleasure. Um, and it's, I suppose it's it's just great to know that the caliber of guest is is evolving um, and to be able to have someone that's really operating at the elite level um, as yourself in terms of GAA and beyond. Um, you know, it's really good and really positive. Um, so look, we're just going to get straight into things. The aim of this podcast, the aim of this episode is to get the perspective, as I said, of someone who is operating at the elite level within GAA. Um, and hopefully we hopefully we can do that and get your insight on things. So I suppose with, in terms of Tyrone, Connor, um, you're in a state of change and transition um, since you were put out of the Ulster Championship. So if you want to just kick off with... Um, what was the feeling or what was the what was the general consensus after that Donegal defeat? Um huge disappointment. Anyway, we um we expected to win the game. Um and we probably didn't get to showcase our potential this year and where we were really at um for a factor for a number of reasons. So that was really disappointing. It was a bit of a shock, to be honest, too, the way the game went. Um, I thought we were in control, and the next thing the whistle went, and it was over. So, But we only have ourselves to blame, really. We had a lot of chances. We didn't execute. And on the defensive end of things, we let them create scoring opportunities too easily. So, yeah, a very disappointing way to, to end the year. Like. Well, I'm sure whenever I'm sure whenever Donegal won, you assumed then that they would go on. I'm sure you didn't assume, but... Is it a, maybe a strong feeling that they would go on and, and win Ulster? And then certainly with that in mind, I was thinking that Donegal would be the team to give Dublin a rattle or a real test, as usual as well. So for me, it was either Donegal or Tyrone to go and give have a real crack at, at Dublin. And obviously, obviously, Kevin came up really short on the day. So um, I'm sure you were disappointed with, with Dublin in mind as well. I'm sure you'll say that you weren't thinking that far ahead, but... Was that on your mind or, you know, getting a crack uh, at Dublin? To be totally honest, no. Uh, Donegal was on our mind. Um, we knew yeah. if we got over that, we would have been confident in, in winning Ulster. We knew that game was a huge one. Um, I do think if we had a met Calvin, then it would have maybe been a different scenario. But it's easy said at this stage. 
Yeah. Um, and credit to Kevin on their win because they deserved their win. And it's nice to see the elation and the celebrations after winning an Ulster Championship because that's that emotion and that feeling. Um, that's what you, you're striving for when playing GA. So uh, I'm glad in the sense that Kevin got the opportunity to experience that. And it probably just showed the, the gap then where uh, Dublin are ahead. Uh, in that sense of of the chasing pack, um, although they haven't probably been challenged overlay at this stage, um, they will get a challenge in the final. And they haven't played a Division One team yet this year. You know, as such, they held up their end of the bargain, and and just they can only play what's in front of them. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't hold up ours, and uh, we obviously faced a tougher test in our first round than than what they came across. But that's football, and um, I'm sure we'll. We'll get into later. Football just it swings and it flows. It's one year can be a super year, and the following year, um, there's there's heartbreak. So yeah, that's why you play. You play with the uh, the chance and the the opportunity to try and chase that excellence and that victory. Um, but you have to take the the bumps along the way. And the fact that you spoke about um, you know, only focusing on that that next game, um. Which obviously was was Donegal. Has that been something that has been, you know, just focusing on the task at hand? Has that been like the case since you've been part of the Tyrone panel? Always just being laser focused on the task in front of you, without getting, you know, thinking, thinking beyond that. Yeah, big time, um, and especially whenever we went into the back door in the last number of years as well, it was, uh, it was win or you're right and. That championship mentality seemed to suit us pretty well in the past where we knew that, you know, you had to get over the line to get to the next round. Um, otherwise, the season was over. And we had a good run in 2018 um, yeah. through the back door as well in 2019 as well. So that mentality has suited us as well. I think when we look too far ahead, we can get comfortable um, when there's a game on a Sunday. That's a must win. It has suited us in the past, but unfortunately it didn't suit us at the weekend. It suited us when we played Mayo the week before when you, if we lost this game, you know, that was you in Division 2 and mm. there was a lot at stake um, plenty on the line. So um, I think it does suit Rome. It has in the past. Um, things might change now from from this year with new management, etc. That was that was that was my next point then. Um, so we we're just speaking about the past management then, basically. So you're obviously looking forward to the you know the transition period um, with the new management. Um, are you are you looking forward to it? Are you positive about it? Or um, and how yeah. would you how how would you reflect back then on the on the previous five six years then that, with the previous management? Um, well, firstly. I'm very grateful for for Mickey and what he did for me personally and how much trust and loyalty he showed to me over the years, bringing me in at 20 um, and playing me in the All-Ireland, you know, the back door in the quarterfinal and semi-final that year. He obviously seen something in me that that he felt that I was capable and I was good enough to be playing. And over the years too, he's given me the responsibility to mark a lot of key opposition players and and even to come back from a broken leg to play in the All Ireland final, he's you know he trusted me to do that. So 
I'm very thankful on a personal note for what he's done and for what he's even done to Throne Football, where he just changed changed the mentality and the mindset um, of players back then and, and what he's done. So it's been an incredible run. Um, 2015, I worked with Brian and Fergal. And we won the All-Ireland Under-21, so a lot of us fellas will know them quite well. Um, that said, there'll be trials, and etc. at the minute, so none of us know if uh, we'll be part of their plans. But it's it should be exciting. It, it is exciting. Change change is exciting in always. Yeah. But I suppose it's a case of getting the right change. And managers change, managers come and go, but the players will be together again throughout the years and really to me it's it's what the players do themselves. Um I see Michael Murphy wrote an article or he was he was interviewed recently and he talked about whenever he let go of the thought that it was up to Rory or Declan or Jim and, and how he performed and he just focused on himself and his own performances, then he started to realise it's just about him. And I think that players can give off about managers or want change, etc. But unless players take responsibility for their own performances then and that's where you really get the change um, just, just from the outside looking in to Tyrone um, I would imagine that there's a serious there are a serious amount of leaders within that within that dressing room so you know that taking a responsibility to me would be would be the case absolutely um, and just talking about the dressing room um Going back to 2015 then, 20 years of age, called up to the senior panel. What was that feeling like walking into that um, dressing room down at Gervahi for the first time? Uh, to be honest, <laughs> I kind of had, at that stage it was sort of bonus territory. For me, I didn't expect to be called in at that age and the team were in the middle of the championship run. The way I am, I'm not comfortable just being a, part-time player being there for the ride as such so it was a case of I don't really give a shit mentality where I don't really care who's here or who's done what in the past um, I'm here to get a starting spot and and that's the approach I took you know I I wanted to get on the ball I wanted to make things happen didn't really care who I probably offended along the way to doing so and, and that stood to me that year, where as soon as I was fit, I was straight into the team. Um, and I probably came from having confidence from playing on the under-21 team and winning the All-Ireland and knowing that I was capable and seeing other players who I played alongside in that team also starting for the seniors. So uh, that definitely gave me confidence. And as I say, you're a young lad, like you're, you're 20. Uh, the world's your oyster nearly. You're a wee bit more free as such um, and that's the approach I took and that stood to me that year Class. Johnny do you want to come in with anything around mindset or yes absolutely as uh, as Ashin said there of classic introduction uh, Connor welcome on um, a lot said already and I was just reviewing sort of what Ashin to put together is what we wanted to cover in this and what stood out to me um, amongst you know the plethora of um, accomplishments, um, leadership, and, and that sort of thing was the mindset you must have had, you know, across your journey. I know you're only, you know, really in the middle of your career now. Um, 
And I suppose even just going back to what you were previously talking about there, the transition from uh, one management one, one manager to the next. Um, and what I just wanted to, to sort of get your insight on was, is that almost a blessing in disguise in the sense that, you know, you have to go again, you have to prove yourself. And I know we had pre previously discussed and that's something that you'd alluded to before was, you know, when you're playing up an age group coming through school or whether you, you missed a panel and you had to go again to get selected, you always held that uh, mentality of, you know, you have to do something extra to stand out. And, and now it's really coming to the fore, obviously, with the transition of management and throwing. Of, is that something that you are already sort of used to doing? So you're already in that mindset of having to push on again to prove yourself to a new management. I know you obviously know them, but that, that was where I was sort of wondering is, is you already sort of in that right frame of mind then to kick on and into this new sort of chapter for Shrone Senior Football? Yeah, big time. Like, I'm mad keen to, mad keen to get back. There's trials at the minute, but I'm carrying, carrying a bit of an injury and you already feel like you're missing out because at the minute it seems like a pretty clean slate. Uh, what you've done in the past it's kind of irrelevant and um, we're looking to the future now so it's it is a case of going out and proving yourself again um, you know you could have been the star man last year but that's that's irrelevant what you've done for maybe your club might get you the opportunity you get to a trial or get to the, the training it's what you do when you're there and these guys have no loyalty to anyone in the last couple of years because it's a new setup for them as well and their goal is to to win the All-Ireland, like ours. Um, and if they think that you're going to help and aid that and you're part of the plans, then, then that they're going to keep you and want to play you. So it's a case of showing them and showcasing what you can offer. And and that's that's really where I see it. I, I know in the past um, I would have had that chip on my shoulder a bit, um, always feeling hard done by or like I had something to prove at a younger age. And then you get to that point where you've proved to everybody. And then it's a bit of a lull where it's like, right, well, what, what do I do now? How do I continue to kick on? Um, and I probably found myself in that lull around 2016, having made the senior squad and um, picked up a lot of injuries in 2016 as well and was probably at a, a low point um, in my life. And I had to look and say, you know, look at where I got in those sort of three, four years previous to where I was. And then it was a case of, right, where can we kick on again? And I think that mentality where, you know, the best way I probably describe it is having a bit of a chip on my shoulder where it's, I want to prove to people and um, prove to myself how hard I can push myself and how good I am that has stood to me well. It might not work for everybody, but what I've learned as well is, you know, looking after Connor Miller is is my priority, so it's not a case of keeping everybody else happy. It's it's what works for me, and it mightn't work for somebody else. So, hundred um, percent. I just have a question in relation to like your role or your position. So over the last number of years, so you came in the throne throne panel, um, operating like half forward after the under twenty one success, and then initially in the senior team was the same sort of half forward. Um, but recently it's been like deployed as more of a man marker, which is testament obviously to your like athleticism and the fact that you can, you know, fulfill multiple roles. Um, do you see with the new management scope for potentially reverting back to half forward or maybe a more orthodox half back role? Or do you think 
it'll be something similar? Good question. I actually don't know. Um, I in the past, <laughs> as you say, I would have been as a wing half forward, a hard working wing half forward, getting up and down. And in my under twenty one year, I was scoring freely as well. I'd scored two goals in two games and I'd chipped in with a couple of points and scored a point in the final too. Um, and when I came on the senior panel, it was a similar sort of position. But when we looked at probably the the role the man marker started to evolve and as we've seen outfield sort of middle eight players excelling to be able to let them run freely um the game sort of changed in a way to that sense so my fitness levels my athleticism as you say was was able to stand away and I was able to to perform those roles if a player was giving us a bit of bother out around the middle of that that I could go and do a job on them and it's probably not the most glamorous role because you mightn't be getting uh, as much possession as you'd like or you're maybe not getting the scoring headlines. But for me, you know, why I, why I play for Throne isn't for, for headlines and for accolades as such. It's I want to win the All-Ireland and how I can influence the team. And that's, I don't really care what the role is. So over the years, that role has changed where you're man-marking at half-back, midfield, half-forward. You know, players might pull you into, into their full forward line and you're standing full-back at times. And that you have to be prepared and ready for that. And preparation has always been one of my strong points. So that's that's something that has evolved, yes. Whatever happens now in 2021, I don't know. It'll probably be a case of that, talking to the management and seeing where do you see me fitting in. And it depends probably as well on the opposition we're playing. If if they have a particular player who they feel I could do a, a role on, um, could mark them and also put them on the back foot, then then you're happy to do it, whatever it takes, really. 100%. Yeah. I was just... On, on the, the key word that, that flagged up to me there was the athleticism first brought up by Oshin. Obviously, you elaborate a bit on how you you're performing on the pitch now and, and the characteristics of the position you've said. But what I was interested to know, and again, something we spoke about before, was the development of Conor Miller, the athlete, um, particularly at a young age. Um, before you maybe nailed down any of those positions Ashley asked you about or you, you were able to play across those positions. Um, so I suppose the question would be, you know, at what point of your career, talking probably at school level, did you really see yourself starting to excel? Um, I know you'd, you'd said a bit about you were doing cross-country run and that, and then um, how that developed then into, you know, ball in hand and stuff, and then the crossover onto, you know, full-on Gaelic football. Yeah, and I've even go even further back and I start to think, you know, playing football at the front with my dad, um, everything was ultra-competitive, where... It didn't matter if we were playing football, if we were going for a run, playing badminton, tennis, table tennis. It was ultra competitive and it would have let me get to 9 all and then beat me 10-9 and it would have been waterworks and, and fallouts. Mm-hmm. But that competitiveness would have stood to me. Um, I even remember primary school, you'd have been losing races and stuff and you know it used to really grind you. Like, um, I used to hate it. I used to hate losing probably more so than the elation of winning um, used to hate losing no matter what it was so as I developed from primary to secondary school and that I really took into the running because I knew it was an individual sport where it was down to me with how well I performed and 
I had a pretty good base, um, fitness level wise, uh, aerobically, and mentally, that competitiveness I was strong, um, regardless of how good somebody else was, I had in my head I was going to win. So, from first year in school, I really kicked on. I would have won a lot of cross country races, um, and athletics events throughout my time in school, and then even with my club on my hires as well, we would have ran, and I would have competed well, not always at the front in training but when it came to the races you know I was a lot mentally stronger than, than a lot of other fellas and I think that's what cross country does to you it's more it's a battle between you and your head because it's it's lonely the training's lonely you're running on your own when you're out in the race it's just you and your own and it's how far you can push your body before it breaks to see um, where you can get to because I feel it's even as you move up the levels when you're running at Ulster's and all Ireland's, you've got the cream of the crop, you've the top runners there and everybody's at a similar level. Um, it's who's willing to push themselves a wee bit further that, and I seem to get more success in that. So it is. Um, and that probably did give me a group, really good base for my football at a younger age where I was a lot aerobically, um, I was a lot more developed probably than everybody else. The only thing is body composition-wise, you know, to be a runner, and you have to be small and skinny. And I was definitely the smallest and skinniest lad in, in my year in school. And to play GA, it wasn't going to work. So I was competing well. We actually won Ulster Schools um, as a team event. You know, I've been down to the All-Irelands a couple of times. It wasn't, you know, it was coming in the top 10 in Ulsters and that. So, and you know, you knew you were decent. And this was me training for GAA and, and the all better running and these other guys were, were top runners you know I even remember beating a guy uh, Kier, you know I would have five mile races and five K races locally you know Greencastle five you would have over 500 people and you're coming inside top 10 one year and beat a guy he was off to the America the next year on a run scholarship and that's that's where you were at but at 17 I just sort of had to say I wasn't making certain school teams. I was playing a bit of B-team football um, for my club, Oma. At my own age, I was okay, but the year above, you know, wasn't making those teams at, at all. And they were hugely successful. Um, they, Those teams were just cleaning up every year. Our club were winning under 14, 16 minor titles year in, year out. And I wasn't part of them. Uh, we won an under 14 championship, and that was the height of it for me um, throughout that period where Guys were picking up a couple of uh, county medals, Ulster, Ulster clubs, and and that, and and I was probably jealous and envious of them as well. Boys within my own club who were successful. My dad managed the under sixteen team one year, and he put me in the B team because he knew I wasn't going to get playing much for the A team, and knew that football would stand away. So as I headed off on the bus with the lads down to play Division Four football against. You know, we were playing Gorchin and Ernie and Castle Derg and these teams that year. Um, my dad was taking the other team, played Moore and Ergel, Jared Moore, and they won the championship. Uh, they won the double. And, and I was getting tanked every game. So it was a turning point for me, though, where I had to realise, right, this is what I want to do and this is where I want to kick on. And if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to change my body shape and everything to try and fit to playing football. I need to get quicker. You know, I've got lungs and get up and down the pitch, but I need to get quicker, sharper. 
he get a lot, lot stronger, put on weight, and and there was a turning point there where, again, it was a, a challenge for me mentally, and I would have trained probably every day to try and get there. Boys would have said that you were you were a bit mad. This was before Snapchat and Instagram, and, and everybody was putting everything up. But you know, I would have been out early in the morning or twelve o'clock at night doing hill runs or running over to the gym, probably a mile warm up and crawl under the fence, soaking. <laughs> Do a session and crawl back out and, and run back. Is that a period you look at Connor that took the natural ability and then really turned it into you know the hard work, the uh, uh, focus on your diet and your extra strength conditioning work, and it took you from maybe in the being on the B team and then that push, then just looking up around was nineteen twenty was you really started to you know take it to the next level, wasn't it? Yeah, and this is where I would encourage younger fellas now is. You won't see the results there and then. I didn't see any results for a long time. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's just like something clicks. It's like a like a flick of a switch. So It just happens. Um, but you never see the results then and there. It's just a constant day-by-day grind of pushing yourself. And I always wanted to see how far and how hard I could push myself. Guys used to think I was crazy doing road races and, and going to cross country. They'd be thinking, why would you put yourself through that? And you'd ask yourself and you'd be like, I don't really know. I just love the feeling afterwards of knowing that, of lying on the ground being like, I'm completely empty. I have nothing left. And I'm maybe winning a race and just being that competitiveness. That used to fuel the fire a bit. So that's, for me, that 16, 17, 18 period, things started to change. Um, I made the McCrory panel a year young, but didn't didn't feature. Um and even club-wise, you know, I was playing well for my own club minor team that year. Um, was up at Tro Minor Trials and, and sort of their bouts for the league. And then dropped and make the championship panel. And had to watch guys in my own team from OMA and, and guys who I was in school with. And that's my own age at minor level, go on and win the Ulster Championship. And I was jealous, like I had a chip on my shoulder. I just, I envied these guys, like, um, and I wanted to prove the management wrong if, you should have me on that team as well. So he went from not making that panel at 18, as I say, um, playing a bit of club football. You know, you, you, were, you were trying to push for, for McCrory spots and and all of a sudden then, 1920, um, I, my first year of senior football as well, I was a sub for the reserves, came on in the reserve championship final, top time, like, there was other guys my age playing for the seniors already. So the following year, my dad took over as senior manager. I got a lot of opportunities in. Probably got a lot of stick as well, saying you're only playing because of your dad. And maybe even within the team as well as plenty from outside the team. So it was proving them people wrong as well uh, at 19. And then, you know, following year, played well for Roma in the club championship. Uh, things started to click then. Um, Neil down a starting spot. Wanted to prove to the manager deserved my starting spot. We probably, you know, it was funny. I, I met him one night recently and we were reflecting and sort of saying, you know, I would have had that chip on my shoulder. I would have been falling out and fighting with boys at training who were quite society. But just, I didn't really care who I offended along the way. I had my goal. I didn't really care if they liked me or not. I would rather have been a, a hated winner than a light loser. Hated, hated that losing thing. So 
I managed to make it onto our under twenty one team, um, for the final, um, and we won Ulster. Played seniors the next year, and we won the Trone Championship, and we made the Ulster Club final. We beat a Cross McGlenn team who were in the semi final, who were heavily tipped all Ireland. Got man on match that day, and that same year then, I made the Trone Under Twenty squad. Um, I was on the squad the year before, didn't feature. Um, and then the following year, I got me starting place and and really worked extremely hard and, and kept me place. And we won the All Ireland that year. And then the same year, we called up the senior squad. So that transition from 18 to 20, from 18s where you could make the true minors, um, and on the school level as a sixth year, you're on the McCrory panel, but then they in the then uh, it came on so bank at the end, but. And you're pushing to try and get a spot in your club minor team and stuff. Um, the year above me, to being twenty, where you're featuring and you're starting the All Ireland semi final against Kerry, and you're kicking the ball away from making the All Ireland final, and you'd sort of jumped a huge number of people who would have been seen to be ahead of you in their football development at that time. The only other player in that Trone under twenty one team started that day was was Mark Bradley. It was just the two of us, um, twenty-year-olds on on that day, so it's quite the the jump. Yeah, um, what I would say is like you would just almost assume that because of the level that you're at now, that you were just successful. You were successful all the way through underage, um, and you didn't really have any, you know, issues that that you spoke about here now, but. It's just that is really surprising to hear. And I think a lot of listeners will be surprised to hear definitely that you weren't on that Tyrone um, minor minor panel. Um, that's, that is really surprising. But I suppose it makes it sweeter for you now to sit here and say that between 2012, those three years of 2015, um, all of a sudden, as you said, you went from not being able to make that minor panel to in an all-out semi-final for Tyrone seniors against Kerry. Um, that is a serious, serious evolution. So, like, on the mental side of things, like, where were you at whenever you didn't make the, that minor panel, for example, or when you weren't making them them teams, like that McCrory team or those club teams that you were, like, were your, was your confidence knocked or were you just saying, right, I know where I need to go and I'm on that pathway now, no matter what's happening no matter the results that I'm getting at the moment? Um, no, good question. I actually wrote things down at a stage, um, things that people had said to me, um, and I really want, I looked at them, wanted to remind myself of them, and it was motivation then. You know, it's, it's difference, difference in motivation and inspiration. Like, it was short-term, it was motivation for a while to get out of bed early in the morning and, and to train later at night and, um, to do those things, I always felt that hard work would would pay off, and and that hard work works. So I knew if I could be the hardest working person out there, that eventually it would would pay off. And you know, as I say, it would. It wasn't a straight line. I don't think success ever is a straight line. It's probably why I find the topic of resilience so interesting now, and because it's something I had in abundance. And I don't think anyone who's been very successful in their sport has ever come through it without facing some form of resilience um, or a setback where they've had to be resilient and they've 
they've had to show that. And I had so many setbacks in my journey that the way I approached them and uh, the mentality I took, it stood to me and it still does stand to me in the decisions I make now and how I'm going to approach something. Um, there's all, you always have choices in everything you do and it's, it's the reaction over the action. Um, some people aren't going to think you're, 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 you should be part of a team. As I say back then, and, and for me, my reaction was more important than, than throwing the head up. I was quite an individual too. I would have been in my own company a lot. Um, the running would have helped with that, to be able to be comfortable with myself. And as I say, I didn't really care who I offended along the way because I knew where I wanted to get to. So you maybe lost friends or you didn't form bonds the same and teams with, with certain people. But me, it didn't really matter because they were probably in my way of where I wanted to get to. So that's probably the mental side of it and around that time too. Yeah, that was, yeah. A, that was a price you were willing to pay then for the success that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I wrote something down here. I refer to this period as winning time. So it's between 2014 and 2017. So in 2014, won the club championship with OMA. 2015, all-Ireland under 21 with Tyrone, 16 Ulster senior with Tyrone seniors, and then 2017 with winning captain for the Sigerson with university. So club, county, and university in three years, hence the winning time um, note. Um, so a couple of questions around that period would be, was there a standout victory or a standout feeling experienced like in that period, or were they all unique, would you say? Uh, definitely all unique but as you say it just sort of clicked where you had very little success for a period of time and then you had three years where it becomes second nature really that's lifting trophies and titles um, 2014 was special because it was almost first title in 26 years or so um, 25 years maybe and my dad played in the team that had last won the championship so that was a pretty special moment I was the youngest fella um, playing on that team and there was just an elation from the club because we'd been starved of senior success, but we knew we had so many capable players that it was probably a matter of just getting over the line. Um, and we were lucky in that sense throughout that season where we won a couple of games by a point. And for us, it was just about getting over the line. And that took us on to an Ulster final where we lost out by, by a last-minute score. So we knew there was a capability within that team like the whole time, but... I was just showing it. Um, 2015 uh, was the All-Ireland Under-21 success, so that was your first taste of All-Ireland glory. And, you know, it wasn't a case of me just being happy to be there and being part of the squad. I wanted to be a key player. I wanted to, to really make an impact as well. And you knew how closely linked the 21s was to the seniors. So if we were successful there, you know, my goal was always to play for Trump seniors. I, Growing up as a young cub, and that's probably why at 17, where the that moment of which path did I take? You know, I chose the football because my inspiration as a cub was I remember watching Tyrone in 03, 05, 08, and being on the pitch, and you're out by dragging you across the pitch, and you didn't know what was going on, but there was elation, people were cheering and crying, and, and I just thought, this is what I want, like, this is where I want to be. I want to be in Crow Park and all our final day looking around and seeing people crying and cheering and knowing that you did you 
major role model. Um, so to pull on the Trump jersey for me at under twenty one level was was so special, and then to win it was incredible. And the game, the way the game flowed, we won by a point. Um, and again, the, the title success sort of started rolling. Then Tyrone had had much success at senior level then around the time in twenty sixteen and seventeen. We won back to back Ulsters, um, Division Two National League as well. Sixteen. I spent most of 16 injured myself where this chip on my shoulder and this hard work probably came to a, a, a changing point where it didn't stand to me too well. I, uh, I was picking up injuries and, and trying to rush back and trying to get back to, to playing. Um, probably my ego started to grow where I went from a nobody to a somebody all of a sudden. People wanted to talk to me and people wanted to know you and People sort of recognise who you were a wee bit because you're in college and you started probably acting jack a lot of it um, first year. like So there was a really low point in 2016 where I actually reached out to the GPA to, to get some like, counselling or coaching. Um, I just didn't know where I was going. Um, I, I kept picking up injuries. Just my life was at a turning point. And did a bit of work with a coach, and uh, I remember even just getting emotional and breaking down. Like, um, and things changed a bit from there, and how I looked at myself. So I did, and being just Connor Mater, being Connor Mater again, and not getting caught up in in what other people thought of me. Keeping my my circle small and choosing my friends wisely as well. People who were gonna on the same journey with me, and people who surrounded myself with good people really was a big thing. Um, and not trying to impress anyone or be part of a group that you maybe don't feel part of. Um, you go from 2016 even, Trome were successful. Um, I was in the Smerry Sigerson squad. I was in the Trome panel, as I say, of successful under 21. Smerrys weren't always blessed with numerous county players, so um, I, I felt I would have been, should have been starting on the team as a, as a second year. And yet there was a moment where Paddy Talley pulled me in a McKenna Cup game and, and told me I wouldn't be playing in the Sigerson. Too much of a liability. Thought I would get sent off. So he kept his word and the, on the way down in the bus to Yervahe. Thought he was pulling my leg about. And the way down to the bus, he the bus broke down over the 16-seater. And we had to do lifts then to, to get to Yervahe. So Paddy was running and asked, who do you want first here? And he listed 15 other fellas like before before me. I was in the last car run. Me and another fellow was doing stats that day with Connor Mall. And I raced the game late, like 10 minutes late. I had a run in the change room, pull on the shorts and all stood in the sideline for the first half. And he brought me on. We were getting tight, brought me on at half time. We got the game to a draw, took it to extra time and, and won. Um, and you go from that and, and all the injuries and, and the setbacks even within 16 to... 2017, six months later maybe, so it was a pretty dramatic turnaround in six, seven months, but you know, I probably took on more of a leadership role at that time, start of the year, and wanted to be more involved and realised Paddy wasn't having any egos and, and I needed to, to recognise mine and to withhold it a bit better. Um, so 2017 then followed that on by winning the club championship with Oma again and playing a prominent role. Um, got 
got my college all-star and my club all-star. So 2017, you had club, college and county success and two, two all-stars. So it was a brilliant year. And it's amazing how things happen then. 2018, 19, 20, no success. So that's football and that's the way it goes. Probably 18, 19, 18 we're in the all-earned final. You know, 19 and 20, two years where I've had no injuries and felt brilliant and thought this was the year we're going to win the All-Ireland and it doesn't happen. As the year you're going to win the club championship, it doesn't happen. Um, 2018, obviously, the All-Ireland final success where I was playing well all year. Um, Mark and Ray McHugh in the Super 8s game done my job and him and at the end of the game, I, uh, I went for a ball, fell came in from the side, but foot planted and and my leg went the other way. Um, maybe me at the time, I sort of got hobbled off and then helped off and then started trying to walk into the changing rooms. Probably not a great idea. Um, and then thought, oh, sure, I'll be all right to drive home and all. And then didn't drive home, but said to the managers, no, Grant, I'll be back right for training Tuesday, Thursday, whatever. Um, got a scan a couple of days later. Actually broke, broke a bone in my leg, broke, broke top of my tibia. And that was a, that was a bit of a scary point where Fizzy O'Ryan says pretty straight up, he just says, yeah, you, you fracture the top of your tibia and you're out for 12 weeks and your season's over. He put it pretty bluntly and and I just broke down. I was like, all the work you've done and, and now the chance of playing all Ireland finals out the window. So he'd said about maybe going to need to see the knee specialist because it was right underneath my knee. And... Um, I was going to go into crut or gas and all. Walked in to see the knee specialist, trying to convince him that my knee was, my, my bone was okay. Told him, I was like, it feels grand, it's all right. Walked in and he just turned around and said, don't ever, ever do that again. Don't ever walk with your crutch again. You have a broken bone in your leg. And I was like, right, okay. So he agreed though by the end of it, not to put me in cast and we were going to put it in a brace for a while. It was in a leg brace. And then I had to just stay off my feet and use the crutches and you know, sort of decided that I was going to throw everything at this and from a healing point of view to try and make some sort of a comeback because all in finals four weeks away. Um, took that approach where my mental resilience from previous stood to me and all those previous injuries all bundled in again and I just took whatever it takes. Started researching to see how I could speed up bone growth, whatever. I got an oxygen tent, slept in it although it was extremely loud and probably didn't help overly. Again, it was like, could be 1%. Trying to help my calcium and things. Again, could have been 1% than my food. I was icing, you know, every hour of the day to try and get the swelling down. And then once I could start moving it and things, then I was I was took that approach. And three weeks later, I was back running. And I didn't couldn't train, like, with the team, but I was back doing my own running. And then four weeks, you... Like he felt that you, you were capable of, of adding something and um I was down to start uh, midfield Mark Ryan Fenton the all Ireland final after four weeks previous breaking your leg. So that was a real turnaround. I probably didn't get to enjoy the build up to the All Ireland final because I was just so secluded and I didn't leave the house and I didn't didn't keep in touch with social media or anything. I just wanted to be by myself and try and rehab and get myself right. Um so I probably missed that build-up vibe but didn't care to me the challenge was to get back playing and, and I made it back playing and starting and, and there you are in the 
Stan Long waiting in the national anthem with a red card in front of you and all, it was a pretty surreal moment. Like running out on there, that was my question. Then. Running out on the Croke Park, packed crowd, all Ireland final day. What I suppose I was going to ask you, what was that feeling like? But the feeling was probably you were probably focused on other things like that that knee, for example. You're probably saying, right, please hold up here after Mark Brand Fenton. So you're you couldn't necessarily enjoy probably to the full, you know, the crowd and the noise and the atmosphere. Yeah, and anyone you chat to about their first All-Ireland final, they'd probably say the same where they didn't appreciate it. And I know I didn't appreciate it by, I was just focused on the job at hand. And it's not till after that you sit back and reflect and realise what you went through. Um, You didn't really try to look around at the crowd too much. And again, but one thing that, we were well warned of was the noise like you can't hear from somebody five ten meters away you can't hear like the noise is so loud that you're calling for the ball and guys can't hear you which is obviously very different to how things are now like and your time on the ball then is so short because the intensity level your decision making has to be better than it's ever been and that's what probably let me down that day I had two balls that I kicked away just not having a ball in my hands for a couple four weeks like um kept Fenton quiet but again the bigger picture was running the game and I didn't contribute enough on my end then but the goal you know for me to get back playing uh, I knew if I missed that All-Ireland final uh, it would have been really low point so to get back playing was an achievement probably in itself without, without winning but every time you run onto Pro Park it's like it is a bit surreal um, it is it's the, the whole experience of even driving in and seeing the fans Laying the streets and they're and they're waving and, and everything. Um, it's it's that build up probably more so than once you get to the game and the pitch, you're you're focused on what you have to do. But those are things you can take in a wee bit more, like uh, the bus journey, like. Yeah. Well, hopefully those days of Pakistan's aren't aren't too far away. Again, um, as as you said, this year's mental like looking at looking at stadiums and. They're empty, like, um, but that's where we are. Um, yeah, and, and hopefully there, there's more success on the way, not only for Toronto, but for Ulster County. Seems obviously Dublin a, a massive period of dominance. So, fingers crossed, maybe Mayo can do a job on them on the next weekend. Um, but yeah, no doubt Connery will have plenty more opportunities to get on the grass at Croke Park as well as with, with fans in front of you. Um, and then maybe just looking at the whole story through a different lens. Um, when me and Ashley set up the podcast, our our sort of theme was to talk not only just about sport but also about you know career relationships and, and more life in general. So my question would be: as someone who has had so much going on from such an early age, you know, we all, we all know what it's like to be doing GCSEA levels and being dragged up and down the road to training Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, matches all this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but so not even just in school that we can all relate to, but you know, even now, um, sort of the career that you're pursuing outside of, of sport. How do you manage to balance everything? Um, uh, family as well on top of that, and, and just doing things that aren't solely related to, to training uh, and playing games. Um, and sort of what. What I don't know cues or how do you hold yourself accountable to your goals outside of outside of just football itself? Uh, good question, and to be honest, I definitely haven't mastered it yet, and I'm still trying to work out how to how to best uh, how to best plan it all in. Um, my girlfriend definitely would probably tell you that you're not spending enough time with her anyway, and 
and family time could be minimal because it's so hard you can't fit everything in. So it's a case of prioritising for me. Football comes number one now. Um, in season especially, it takes full priority and, and that's the way it is, I think, if you're doing it. For me, if I'm doing anything, you have to be full, full-hearted in it. And it's number one. That turning point in my life at sort of 2016-17, I realised the importance of academics and studying. I I was a terrible, terrible studier. I don't know how I got through some some college years with some of the work I would have been producing. And, and even in secondary school, shocking, like, really a shocking reflection, like, um, but I got through it somehow and decided that I just seen myself progressing further. I didn't, I wasn't comfortable. I hate the comfort zone that I wasn't comfortable just maybe going into teaching and to find a comfortable school where I can get away with doing minimal work and, and get out and go play ball. I wanted to keep pushing myself, so decided to go and do a master's down in UCD. Could have done one in Samaris, but it would have been comfortable. Knew everybody there. Could have got the work pretty easy. Um, decided to go down to UCD. I don't know anybody. I'll have to make new friends. I'll have to pay extortionate fees. Um, travel and down training. And I just thought, fuck it. You know, that's so out of my comfort zone to do that. But let's try it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I broke my hand as well in the club championship then as I just started. I uh, couldn't drive, had to get the bus for four or six weeks down to Dublin and back. It was a nightmare. Didn't know anyone in my class. People probably didn't even want to get to know me. Um, was starting to play football then for UCD with crowding new boys who I didn't know anything about a lot of them and some cracking players and what, what an experience it was until we met St Mary's. That, was, that wasn't as good, but... Like to just challenge yourself, get yourself out of your comfort zone. To manage time for me as well was huge, especially when I was down in UCD. The fees were crazy. So I had to work two days a week on a Monday and a Friday. I had to jump on the bus on a Monday evening with my broken hand, head down to UCD, uh, get one bus down, another bus out, uh, and then home again on a Thursday evening to work on a Friday. And then all weekend, how to get me studying done because there was no buy balls down there um, with your studying. And I got my master's in, my master's in education. And then 2018, back to Belfast, working, studying again. Started a course in leadership, a master's uh, through GPA. I'm continuing it on now, Maynooth College, to get my accreditation. I'm looking at doing a, a master's module in Samaritan and BE as well. You know, that I like to just de- constantly develop and constantly pushing myself. I know I hate having lounging about time really I don't feel comfortable lying up you know too often um, obviously on a Friday or Saturday night may be different but I've realised even in the last two weeks I've tried to get up but you know even just working with like-minded people who understand you and get you when you're talking about that you know did a bit of a running session with guys a couple of weeks ago you know, it was up five in the morning to head down to Tullymore Forest Park to do a run in cold water and, and since I've started getting up at six in the morning um, I do 30, 40 minutes mobility and then I do a 30, 40 minute strength session um, get me breakfast, cold shower, a bit of time, the school I'm in is not too far, cold bath as well. Um, I'm doing a bit of work as well outside of school um, for another fella with lesson plans and stuff. It's it's all go like and, and then I've got my, my studies. So it's a, it is a bit of a juggling act really. It, for me, it's a case of prioritising what's the most important. But but finding time and to get everything else in, it's like 
is going out a priority. Probably not as watching TV or playing Xbox or video games. A priority. Is it going to get you closer to your goal? Probably not. I've realized as well, you know, if I want to maybe get to lecturing or, you know, a senior role in a school that I'm going to need my academics, that I don't have time to, to be messing about. You know, I, I have to keep pushing on and pushing on to get there. So, yeah, try not to stay com- too comfortable. Wasn't always the case, but I've had to learn that over time. And the more I probably analyze myself and self-reflect, I realize who is Connor Mailer and what, what does he do at his best and, and who is he best suited around. And I'm still working all that out. But the more I'm learning, I li- I'm liking what I'm doing here at the minute. Uh, I don't mind early mornings. I enjoy it. It doesn't suit everybody, but it suits Connor Mailer. So that's uh, that's what I'm learning as well, even at the minute, how to, how to even balance all that. Absolutely. It was, everything was going right so far the highlights but it also doesn't pay the bills you know what I mean so the fact that you know yourself and I think the a lot of the people who are successful in one field have the same sort of traits and allow them to excel in other fields whether it is career um, relationships extracurricular whatever it may be so as we've done this is going to be episode 19 and it's something that you know, every every guest, every caliber of guest is sort of alluded to as well is um, success across all three or four of those realms highlighted and not just the one that we're bringing them on to discuss, which is obviously the highlights. Um, so I'm sure you, you agree with that as well, Ashin. It's always very interesting sort of I'm reflecting on the guests we've just spoken to about, you know, the key themes that they're bringing as well as what we've seen from other successful people. Yeah, just back to your point, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily exceeding in one faculty so sport or career it's the underlying characteristics of the person so obviously work ethic identifying what needs to be done but more importantly then executing um, and you know doing what needs to be done we can all come up with grand plans and exotic ideas but it's a different case executing doing what needs to be done so like I'm, i'm not surprised by what you've said there connor and i'm even less surprised by I'm less surprised by the fact that you're getting it done like. Um, so look, fascinating chat today, getting an insight into the life of an elite athlete, because you are an elite athlete, even though Gaelic's an amateur sport. Um, lads like yourself are at the absolute top, in the top bracket um, of it. Um, so look, again, thanks a million for coming on. Pleasure um, chatting with you. Um, and hopefully, you know, maybe... Maybe sometime in the future we'll be on again, maybe analyzing a, a big throne victory. Um, so, mm-hmm. again, thanks a million for coming on and great catching up. No problem, lads. Thank you for the chat. Um, it's nice to, to share your story sometimes. And again, I followed your podcast and, and I enjoyed the chats, especially probably Neil O'Hare and, and Gareth Fox, who I know. So, uh, it's been great and I love the work you're doing. So, I look forward to listening to future ones as well. Thanks, Connor. Very, very kind words there. That's it, folks. Episode 19 in the books. Connor Myler, legend. It's been a pleasure, lad. Thanks very much.